Thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction. Um, praise God. God is awesome, and he's, uh, he is the good shepherd, and, and he's perfect. Um, <clears throat> I'm not, but he's working on me, and he's working on you, so that we give him, give him all the glory. So that's so good. Hey, how many of you already voted out there in Zoom and here in the room? All right, praise God. This is the first time I think we've had this early voting, and uh, it's good. You need to vote. It's important that you exercise your responsibility. Uh, encourage you, pray, ask the Lord. I think it's important that people look at, read platforms and understand what they're voting for. I think we get caught up and confused by personality types. And sometimes candidates are put forward because they have a certain personality and there's other things behind it. Some people have a big personality that get, you get turned off by and you gotta look, where, where is this going? So please, inform yourself and be prayerful. Don't just operate from uh, sense knowledge, carnal knowledge, your five senses. Ask the Lord, be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, as many as are led by the Spirit, you know, they are the sons of God. So uh, get out there and vote. Appreciate it. Amen. So I'm continuing with our... Yeah, we got to pray. Thank you. Peace on the streets. Uh, it says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called the sons of God. Um, after Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, who knows what it's going to be this year, we're going to have the results of an election. And, uh, you know, already I've seen on the streets, like uh, just outside of the church here at Santander, it's all boarded up. I heard that Macy's is being all boarded up and other places are being boarded up. This is, uh, at least in my lifetime, I, I haven't searched the history back where, you know, um, I think 2016 was the first time that where there were actual sort of protests and, you know, riots and demonstrations that followed the election. Let's pray peace on our streets. Listen, it's okay to have your opinion heard and let people know, but it's not okay to burn down buildings and property and hurt people, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> we as the church, we have a responsibility to be salt and light. We're a restraining force on evil, the Bible says. So get into your prayer closet. Get with two or three believers around you. Let's pray peace over our streets. When you walk the streets, peace is something that resides within inside of you. You know, it's not something we conjure up from the outside, but it flows out of us because we have the Holy Spirit in us. It's Christ in us, the very hope of glory. So let's release the peace that's deposited already in our spirit, and let's speak it over the streets. Let's disarm the, the principalities and powers and the influences of darkness and speak peace. Jesus got up in the midst of a storm. He was asleep on a boat. He wasn't upset about the wind and the waves, but others around him were bothered by the circumstances. And, he, and they said to him, Lord, don't you, we're about to perish. Don't you even care? And he said, where is your faith? But then he stood up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and they became still. And his disciples wondered, like, who is this? And here's the thing. He's in you. It's Christ in you. We have to recognize that he's come to dwell in us. You know, when... When he was crucified, buried, and resurrected, you know, when he was crucified and buried, Satan thought he had a victory, but he rose again. And he said, I'm about to send, I'm going to go to the Father and then send the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and then it's going to multiply. You know, he's the firstborn among many brethren. That's you and I. So we, as Christ is, so are we in this world. So let's carry that 
and let's release peace. And let's see a peaceful, you know, whatever happens, whatever happens, let's pray peace in our nation, in our streets, uh, and that God would be glorified. <clears throat> and we would have an opportunity to continue to serve him, and we'd have a place where we can continue to worship freely. That's, that's, that's the key. We, we need to be a beacon of hope and light. The church does. Uh, and it's helpful when we have those in authority who allow us to worship freely. There are many nations in the world you cannot worship freely. So that's, that should be one of our sacred you know, privileges and responsibilities to steward that. Okay. Uh, I'm speaking on spirit, soul, and body. I want to recap quickly. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. The scripture says, now may the God of peace, we're talking about peace, right? May the God, he is the very God of peace, himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's interesting uh, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul makes a uh, distinction between your whole spirit, soul, and body. I think many of us have heard that, that we're you know, that we're three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. But, you know, this is kind of a foundational truth, but I don't know that we've all fully understand it. I don't know that I have fully understood it until I started to delve into it even in, in this study that I did, I've done. Uh, again, recapping, let's go to Romans 8, verse 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Since the spirit realm can't naturally be seen or felt, the only way to accurately perceive spiritual truth is through the Bible. Um, you know, that's a big statement, though. Let me just go back to, to Romans. Um, to be carnally minded is death. What is it? So we need to understand, what does it mean to be carnally minded? Is it, is it sinful? To be sinfully minded? That sounds like death. The wages of sin is death. But I think it's, it's more than that. To be carnal minded is to operate out of the five sense realm. What I can feel, what I can touch, what I can see, what I can taste. And that's how I operate. I operate in the carnal realm with, with, uh, and, and that's how I make my decisions based on my circumstances, based on what I can see. The, you know, there's an old saying, seeing is believing. Well, not according to scripture. Um, but people operate only, if people operate only by what they see, smell, taste, then they're, they're stuck in a different realm. And that's being carnally minded. The Bible says that will lead to death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many want life and peace? I mean, I want both. <laughs> life and peace. Everything that goes with life, and I want to have peace. It's no good to have a lot of stuff and just be tormented, <laughs> right? You want peace on your borders. Okay, so how do we know, how do we perceive what is spiritual? Jesus said in John 6, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 63, it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. 
The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So look, when we look into the Bible, you're actually beholding yourself like in a mirror. We actually see who we are. We start to get true identity. How do we know that? Well, in the book of James, chapter 1, beginning of verse 23, it says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself but goes away and immediately he forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but he, he's a doer of the work, this one is blessed in all he does. The Bible is the word of God. When we look into it, it's a mirror. It tells us who we are, who God is. It tells us what we're supposed to speak, how we're supposed to think, how we're supposed to act. And when we align ourselves with this, we start to come into agreement with God and we start to be spiritually minded. Um, but if we forget who we are and we start to speak the negativity that's all around us, then we become carnally minded. If we think that we're trapped in our circumstances and our circumstances aren't going to change and we just keep repeating like, oh, this always happens and, you know, that's death. Okay. So when you're born again, your spirit is made alive unto God. It says in Ephesians that, your sp that the Holy Spirit comes and seals our spirit until the, you know, to the day of redemption. It's actually a seal. Your spirit is sealed and, and belongs to God. Nothing can touch it. But there's two other parts of our being, right? There's spirit, soul, and body. The pivot point comes with how we think. You know, the Bible says in... Um, Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, your bodies, spirit, soul, and body. So now what are we supposed to do with our body? Put it on the altar to die. Offer it as a living sacrifice. It's holy and it's acceptable. And as a matter of fact, it is your reasonable service. And then it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and actually the perfect will of God. We need to renew our minds on the word of God. We got to change the way we think. Our spirit has been sealed and, and it, it's, it's mature. It's perfect. In our spirit, we agree with God, with all that he says. The problem is, is that there's a communication line from spirit to soul to body. The Bible says that in my flesh, nothing good dwells. It says your flesh, you know, it, your, your, um, this body is at enmity with God. It doesn't really actually desire any of the things of God. It just wants what it wants. It's driven by its carnal nature. So when you're hungry, it communicates that to your mind and says, go find something to eat. Um, you know, and then think of any of the other carnal desires. It wants to be satisfied now. It doesn't care about the law of God. Your mind acts as an arbiter. I mean, your spirit has been quickened, and you know when you were born again, you were like awakened, everything looked new, and you started to conform your conduct, not, um, not to the world, but to what God would say. You, you allowed your thinking to be transformed. And the more you read the Bible, actually your mind begins to be renewed. Um, 
Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To be conformed means to be poured into a mold. In life, you're going to encounter pressure. We all do. I don't care if you're born again, not born again. As you go through life, you hit pressures. And those pressures are going to cause you to be molded into something, melted into something. And you have a choice. When things happen to you, you can get better or you can get bitter. You know, things happen to you and you're like, okay, I'm going to remember that. Payback is you can fill in the blank. Okay, but that's not how we operate, right? That's a world that's conforming to the world. Uh, what do we do? When we're cursed, we bless. You know, when... When we're wronged, we forgive. How many times? Should we do it seven times? Jesus speaking to Peter said 70 times seven, meaning an infinite amount of times. You know, we don't hold it. Why? Because we know that we're not the righteous judge. There's only one judge in heaven. He's righteous. We leave judgment in his hands. We, we pray mercy. We say, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then your mind that's not renewed would say, oh, yes, he did. He knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> but your spirit says, God, forgive him because he's been blinded by the God of this world. They're acting out of, out of, out of a darkened knowledge. So we forgive, not because we don't think they understand what they're doing, but, but we know that their minds are darkened. So we forgive anyway, and we say, God, hold this not to their charge. Open their eyes that they might see. So we're not conformed to this world. But we're transformed. And the word transformed comes from uh, a Greek word that's more closely translated into the English as uh, metamorphosis, which speaks of the, the, the little uh, worm or the caterpillar that goes into a cocoon. And at the end of that period in the cocoon, he comes out a butterfly. It's like completely transformed from what was a caterpillar limited to the ground, crawling along on branches and tree leaves to now being able to fly. And so God wants to see us fly in the spirit. He wants us to, us to be transformed out of the kingdom of darkness and be translated into the kingdom of his son. So good. Therefore, you know, your spirit is already changed. Your body is basically like the caboose. It's just put, put it to death, right? Just it's going to follow, you know, your soul will be an arbiter. Are you carnally minded or spiritually minded? Your, when your soul and your spirit come into agreement, the body will follow along. You, you'll just command it. You know, you'll put it on the altar. If you're carnally minded and the body is telling you to do all, seek all these desires of the flesh that you might not be able to righteously fulfill... Um, or you're just led around. I mean, you know, listen, a desire of the flesh is to eat. And so if you just go eat whenever the body's telling you to eat, that you're being led by that. Now, listen, we all get the signal to eat, and, and that's, that's not sinful. If you go too far, you know, it, it could be gluttony, and that's a problem. But you want to be led by your spirit. You want the spirit man to rise up. You want your soul to agree, your mind, your will, your emotions to agree with what God's saying. Your spirit's already sealed. It's doing it. 
Your mind, your thoughts, your attitudes, they determine whether you will experience victory and the life of God in your spirit or you're going to experience defeat and death at the, of the fallen natural realm. Renewing your mind in, a wor in the word of God facilitates transformation. That was my recap. Okay, I want to talk about faith. And I want to talk about faith in terms of body, soul, spirit, soul, and body. Turn with me to Hebrews 11.6. I think if you get, th this is transformative. As I was looking at this, I was just quickened. And even as I was re reviewing my notes before the service, that I was just like, wow, I, the Holy Spirit is on this. Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him, God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In your spirit, you have, the, you have a complete measure of faith. You don't need more faith from God because you already have all that you'll ever need. Your faith isn't small. It's not immature. It's not in the process of growing. It's already perfect and complete as the faith of Jesus in your spirit. You just need to renew your mind, and we need to learn to release it. There's a seed inside of us. It's an incorruptible seed. And that seed, like natural seed, has everything inside it that knows how to germinate, how to come forth and bud, and how to become a tree or a flower or whatever it is. It's going to come forth, and it's going to produce fruit. The seed of the word of God is inside of us, and we need to learn, we need to renew our minds so that we can place ourselves in agreement to release what's already there. The way you were born again is the same way you receive everything in a Christian life. It's by grace through faith. Never changes. Everything in a Christian life is received by grace through faith. Bill, how do you know that? Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning at verse 8. I'm going to look at verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And guess what? It was nothing to do with you. And that not of yourselves. By grace you were saved through faith, and, not of, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. You didn't do anything, so you can't boast about it. But it's God. The word saved in the original Greek is, is the word sozo. This is a term we also use for our healing, inner healing ministry, sozo. Uh, salvation of sozo is everything that God has provided in the atonement, in Christ's atonement. It's not just receiving the forgiveness of sins and a brand new spirit. Uh, salvation is everything that goes with it. It's healing, it's deliverance, uh, it's prosperity, it's joy, it's peace, it's love. Everything that is born of the spirit, it's the fruits of the spirit, right? The, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, goodness, meekness, um, endurance, faith, etc. Et Those are fruits. Where does a fruit come? A fruit comes out of a seed. 
The seed is inside of us. We need to learn to release it. That's why joy is not something that comes from the outside. Joy isn't based on the big promotion, the new car, the house, the, the new boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. It's, that's not where joy comes from. Joy comes from the inside of you, and it comes out. It's so important that we know that or we'll be looking in the wrong places for it. All of these salvation benefits come the same way as you were born again. The same way you received Christ is the same way all the benefits come. How is that? By grace, through faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. We have to understand that, and we have to understand where faith comes from. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Colossians 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The same way you were born again, the same way you got saved, continue in it. Continue in it. So walk in him. By grace, through faith. That's how we received him. How do you walk in him and enjoy the benefits of his salvation package? By grace, through faith. God not only provides, for self, provides the salvation you need, he also supplies the very faith you use to appropriate his grace. He not only gives you the grace, he gives you the faith. So it's not something you work up. Both salvation and faith are received as gifts from God. You can't, you see, you can't receive salvation without what? Without hearing the word of God, right? Faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. Look, you might not hear it quoted chapter and verse, but the truths and the concepts that are in God's word must come across your path somehow. You need to know that Jesus died for your sins, and because of his love, he offers you forgiveness independent of your actions. His only demand is that you do what? That you believe. We come to Christ, right? He says, you know, uh, with, the, with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto righteousness. Now, faith comes by hearing. How? You hear the word of God, and you respond to it. God's word contains his faith. It's a seed. It's, it's an incorruptible seed. When you hear the word, I mean, you know, Jesus gave the parable about tossing the, the sower in the seed. You know, some fell on good ground, some on stormy, but the seed knows how to bring forth. God's word contains his faith. When you receive the word into your heart, you're receiving God's supernatural faith. You must hear the word because that's how you believe and receive. God put his faith in his words. Let's look at First um, Peter 23. The faith you use to receive salvation is not merely human faith, but it's God's own supernatural faith, which comes to you through his word. 
First Peter 23 says, we've been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. How were you born again? By a seed, which was the word that was spoken to you. It had power in it. It had faith in it. Through the word of God, which lives and abides. We've been born not of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is a flower is as the flower of the grass. The grass, grass withers and the flower falls away. It's important for us to know whether our faith is a, is our faith a natural faith or is it a supernatural faith? This is so key when we understand that God has placed a measure of faith in us. So do I have to work up the faith, or do I just agree with God and release what's in me already? You see, he's put it in us. He's put in us a seed, an incorruptible seed, and he wants us to renew our minds so that we come into agreement with heaven and we begin to release what we already have. Is our faith a natural faith or a supernatural faith? If you believe your faith is just human faith, the devil will be able to convince you that maybe it's not very good, it's small, it's immature, you know, <clears throat> he'll tell you it's puny. But when you understand that the faith you're using is God's supernatural faith that he put inside you, you're not using your own faith, you're using God's faith which was imparted to you through his word, your level of confidence and expectation will rise. It's not only the faith you use to become born again, but it's the faith you use to appropriate everything in the Christian life. It's his faith. He put it. It's his seed inside of me. It's agreeing with what he's already said about us and about him, everything in his word, and we're beginning to release it. That's why I can say to you, go out after the service today and speak peace to these streets. Is, it, is peace somewhere outside of you? Maybe God will bless it or not. No, you're releasing what's in you in the streets, and we're speaking peace. The way Jesus spoke peace to the, to the storm. Since God's faith is supernatural, you know what it produces? Supernatural results. It has the ability to do things that will take you beyond the physical realm. If you believe you're using human faith for your Christian life, you'll only be able to receive natural results. However, when you realize it's God's faith you're using, you start to experience supernatural results. You see, it takes the focus off of you, and I got to work up my faith, I got to pray harder, maybe if I speak louder. Maybe if I sing six songs first and get the atmosphere just right, it'll... No, we're releasing something. We have to start to recognize what is in us and release it. If I gave two people a, a gift card and there was $1,000 on it and I told them, you know, go buy whatever you want and they both went to the same store and someone comes back, they've purchased a $100 item and somebody, you know, purchased a $1,000 item. They both had the same ability, but one operated at a different level. The potential was there, but one only exercised $100 when there was 1000 on the card. The other spent the full 1000 Both could have, but only one tapped into the full value 
I'm telling you, we haven't tapped into the fullness of what Christ has placed in us. We haven't recognized that it's in us and it needs to be released. How? By grace, through faith. It's not based on your conduct. Here's the crazy thing. You know, we get saved by grace, through faith, and then we immediately get turned into these you know, works people, like the Galatians, the foolish Galatians. You know, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? You think your conduct determines what God does. Your, your, listen, your conduct will affect your soul and your body. You know, the soul, that's, the soul that sins will surely die. So if you, want, if you want to battle stuff in your soul and depression and all of this, yeah, Continue in sinful things, and you'll have all sorts of issues in your soul realm and in your, maybe even in your body. Your spirit is sealed. He can't touch it. Why did Paul say, you know, where, you know should I continue in sin uh, that grace may abound? And the answer was, God forbid. Why did he even have to say that? Because there's a reality that when you're saved, when you're truly born again, your spirit's sealed. You're saved. You know, you can act out and the soul that sins will die and, and be not deceived. God is not mocked. As a man sows, he's going to reap. I'm not encouraging anyone to go out there and sin because sin leads to death. Sin leads to broken relationships. It leads to misery. It leads to hurt. So don't misunderstand this. But when you are truly born again, your spirit is sealed unto the day of redemption, you know. The devil can't touch it. It's sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It says in Ephesians. Now we want to start to release what's in our spirit so we experience the fullness of life in this realm. And, and that's why we need to renew our minds because sometimes our mind gets in the way. Because, you know, Jesus said to Peter, Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, beckon me to come. I said, all right, come. And he starts walking on the water. And all of a sudden, Peter's mind got in the way. He started looking at the wind and the waves and says, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be able to walk on water. And then he began to, he took his mind off the spiritual, right? Spiritually minded his life and peace. And he started looking at the circumstance, the sense realm. The sense realm said, wait a minute, what are you doing? This is nuts. Nobody can do this. And then he began to sink. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. Where do we focus? Listen, we all operate in a level of faith. You know, when I, I, we came into church this morning, you all sat down on the chair. How many of you fully inspected that chair, got under, made sure all the screws were in? It was, did you push on and make sure it was going to hold your weight? Or How many just sat down? Most of you assumed by faith and experience, you know, you, your faith was based on your experience. I've come into church before. These chairs hold me up. I'm not checking today. I'm just going to sit down. That's faith. It was based on what? natural thinking. Now, if you had come into church three times before and every time you sat, the chair fell apart, what would you have done when you walked into church Say, I ain't sitting there. You kidding me? You try. Wait, get, I'm going to get my camera. Go ahead. You know, because you had an experience that said, don't sit on that chair. But, but now you've had other experiences based on sense knowledge. So you operated in a natural faith that I can sit on this chair. I don't got to worry about it. No sweat. And you sit down. But that's based on your natural faith. Supernatural faith is based on what God says. Human faith follows sense knowledge. Supernatural faith 
comes even comes before that. God demonstrated this kind of faith when he changed Abram's name to Abraham. What does Abraham mean? Father of many nations. How many children did Abraham have? None. He changed his name and he changed Sarah's name, Sarah, Sarah, Sarai to Sarah, mother of many nations. They had zip, zero. And he was calling those things which are not as though they were. This is how faith operates. He acknowledged those things that aren't yet manifest as if they already are. God calls those things that were even before the physical proof of their existence. Natural faith can only acknowledge what it sees. Tastes, hears, smells, feels. Supernatural faith literally brings things into manifestation from the spirit realm. That's a radical difference. The same faith we use to get born again is now always present in your spirit. You have that faith in you. Your mind that's not renewed sometimes causes you to waver, but it's in you. It's a seed. It's an incorruptible seed. It knows how to bring forth fruits of righteousness. Doesn't evaporate, it doesn't diminish, it doesn't get old, it never loses its power. Supernatural faith is exactly the same in your born again spirit as it is from the very moment you were saved. Faith is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit who resides in you. Fruits come from roots. The seed puts out roots and it brings forth fruits. Come on, Galatians 5, 23. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. It's not something you put on from the outside. It's not something my mind says, okay, I'm going to be loving today. I'm going to be filled with joy and peace and long-suffering. That could work to a point until you get frustrated and you just lash out and <laughs> lose your peace and your kindness and your goodness and all that other stuff. But when it comes from within, it's a fruit of the Spirit. That's why in the midst of a storm, Jesus is not sweating it. They're all freaking out. Don't you care that we perish? And what was his response? Where's your faith? And then he rebukes the storm. Peace comes from within, not from without. If you're, if, you have, if, you're, if you're suffering in different areas, anxiety, depression, or whatever, you need to line up your, your mind and your spirit. You line up your mind with your spirit because it's a fruit. Okay. Romans, turn with me to Romans chapter 10, verse 10. All right, I'll just read it to you. For with the heart... One believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the born-again believer, faith has actually been put into your recreated spirit. You don't need more faith. You just need to believe you already have it. It's so important that we believe. 1 John 4.17, this one, you know, when Catherine Ranallo was here, she shared from this scripture and others, and I've heard it. And I think until I started really understanding body, soul, and spirit, 
I didn't always get it. Like, I believed it because it's in the scripture, but I didn't understand it. 1 John 4, 17 says, as Jesus is now, so are you in this world. Wow. That's a big statement. As Jesus is, so are we. I don't always feel like I'm just like Jesus. But by faith, I have to step in and understand that as he is, so am I. Where? My spirit has been born again exactly in the image of Christ. And I have to align my mind to, to start to think just as Jesus, you know, he thought, he acted, he would do it according to the word. And then step out believing. Is Jesus in faith? Of course he is. He's operating in faith perfectly. Your born-again spirit has the faith of God in it perfectly, without lack, without inadequacy. Just acknowledge it. Go to God's word. Discover the, the laws that govern how faith works. Then you start cooperating and using them to your advantage. You'll find that the faith that's already inside of you is more than sufficient for any problem you'll ever face. We're justified by faith in Christ. Turn with me to Galatians 2.16. Now, I want to, if we can put this up in the King James Version, not the New King James Version. Because it's a, sometimes the more modern translations, in order to try to make it a little more user-friendly in English, they, you, we lose a little bit of something. And I'll, I'll, I'll touch on what that is. Galatians 2, verse 16, in the King James Version, it says, the original King James, uh, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that he might be justified by the faith of Jesus Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no one should be justified. God gave us the faith of Jesus Christ. The faith of Jesus Christ. Now, some translations have faith in Jesus Christ. It's important. You'd have to go back to the original Greek and look at it, but it's the faith of Jesus Christ. It's, 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 it's a you know, faith in Jesus or the faith of Jesus. Sounds like a small turn, turn of words, but it means... Very, it's very different. If he's given us the faith of Jesus, that's the same faith Jesus had. And it's placed in our spirit. But if it's just our faith and we're trying to build it up, trying to work it up, you know, how many Pentecostals are going to work up my faith? Jesus, 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 you know. <laughs> I've been around a lot of circles in 40 years. It's seen a lot. I've done some foolish things, done whatever, but God is good. <laughs> Seeking him. Listen, God not only provided salvation, but he gave us the faith to receive it. You know, here's the reality. Before we, were, we came to Christ, we were so bound up in sin, so blind, that if it wasn't his grace and, and his mercy on us, that we would, we would never, like, come to the Lord. It says no one comes to the Lord except that the Father draw him. So not only does he give us grace, but he gives faith. He gives us the faith to believe. Then when we embrace the word in our heart, is 
the, he gives us the faith to receive it, and we, have, and, it's the, and we receive the gift of salvation. Galatians 2.16 says, this is like a key scripture. This is, this is a great scripture. We use it in, in baptism and so many things. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. There's the death of the old man, and we, we are born again with this new man. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in this body realm, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, I'm reading from the King James, not the New King James. And I think we'd have to go back to the original Greek just to prove it out. But it's the faith of the Son of God. It doesn't say I'm living by faith in the Son of God. It's the faith of the Son of God. Um, a few verses earlier, Paul said it twice when he said he was justified by the faith of Jesus Christ. It's very clear. It's not a human faith. It's not based on our human experience. You know, I sat down in that chair 12 times. I'm sure it's going to hold me this time. I'm not even checking. That's human sense knowledge and faith based on that. You know, I always drive through the light when it's green. You know, everyone's supposed to stop. If you see a whole bunch of people speeding through a red light, you might slow down even though you got the green light saying, whoa, I usually just drive through, but this, this, nobody's stopping. It would change your, change your viewpoint. The first step is to believe you have this faith. We, see, I think for so long we've tried to work it up. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, and we... And we're, you know, put ourselves in a word. But somehow we've had this, I have to work it up. Um, you know, Reinhard Bonnke once was asked a question. He was asked, why do you see so many more healings in third world countries than here in the United States? Is it because they have more faith? And Reinhardt's answer was very interesting. He said, that's an invalid question. Uh, he said, you know, and he was talking to Americans, he says, only Am Americans are the only people on the face of the earth that have, that I've encountered who have this concept of more faith or little faith. He said, in other countries, either you believe or you don't. Only Americans believe in varying degrees and have this hit level of 10, 20, or whatever before, you know, their faith starts to work. He said, this idea violates what Jesus taught in Matthew 17, verse 20. He said that if you have the faith, your faith was like a grain of mustard seed. You could tell a mountain to move, and it would obey you. You could just speak to it, and your faith would work. What a difference this revelation will make in your life. You can now honestly and boldly declare... I was given the measure of faith from Jesus at salvation. The faith of Christ is in me. No more, no less than any other born-again believer. The same faith Jesus used to raise Lazarus from the dead is available to me right now. It's just a matter of renewing my mind. Because in my spirit, I've got the same power, anointing, the same potential. From this day forward, I expect to see an increased manifestation in my life to the glory of God.
Amen. One more scripture. Two more scriptures. How's that? Sorry. <laughs> Romans 12.3. For I say, Romans 12.3, I'll give you a moment to get there. Okay, time's up. <laughs> For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Again, I'm reading King James Version because it's more close to the Greek. It's not a measure, it's the measure. When you were born again, you were given the faith of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter said this in 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by what? By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like precious faith. What did we, what, who was he writing? He was writing to those, and to those who have obtained like precious faith. Like who? Yeah. It was like Peter. Peter received it. Paul received it. Like, like precious faith. It's the same faith. And how did he receive it? By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. By the righteousness of our God and Savior. You have the same faith as Jesus. It's so important that we, we start to see that and believe it. Now, here's the thing. Your mind has to be renewed. Because if your mind doesn't align with what God's saying, it will, it will say, what are you doing? You know, this walking on water thing, you can't do that, Peter. Like, come on. And then you're like, uh, wait, maybe I can't. And you fall. We need to start to believe God. It's, that's all he's asking for us. Would you believe what I said? You know, the, God said it. He used to say, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And people clarified. Said, no, God said it. That settles it. But now the thing is, do you believe it? And, and, that's, and that's the question to all of us. It's time that we align ourselves with the word of God. Your natural situation, circumstances, your five-sense knowledge may speak something else, but it's time for you to declare, I believe God. I believe God. And then we're going to start to see transformation. Let's start to call those things that aren't currently manifest, let's call them into being based on God's word. That's what, that's what God did when he changed Abraham, Abram's name to Abraham. Long before Isaac was born, he started calling him the father of many nations. Okay. Bless God. Out in the Zoom world, I love you guys. We're going to break into our um, breakout rooms. Uh, I, I would encourage you to share a little bit about the message, what you were getting out of it, and then please pray for one another. And uh, I love you guys. I can't wait till all of this is over and we, we, we can get to see each other in person. I really miss... I,